Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, May 2nd, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we break down a pretty good weekend of Orioles baseball at Camden Yards. The Orioles take two of three from the Boston Red Sox. They call up two of their top 20 prospects, including Kyle Bradish, who makes his major league debut on Friday night and really did impress. Although they always lost that game, they came back, won the next two, and it's always fun to take a series from the Red Sox. And I'll break down all three games, giving you my three big takeaways from the Orioles' series win over Boston. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Orioles take the series over the Boston Red Sox, which is always, always something fun to say. Orioles now 8-14 and 14 on the season, taking two out of three from Boston at Camden Yards to open up this 10-game homestand here this week. And I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from the Orioles series win over the weekend. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And before we start, also did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked On Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, five days a week, wherever you can get a pod. It's right there, a new episode in your inbox. If you could leave a rating and a review, preferably a five-star rating on either of those apps, that would really help out. And then, of course, we're here on YouTube as well. Make sure to hit that red subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. We're over 300 subscribers already on YouTube and growing. We thank you so much for that and hope that you can contribute to that number as well. But again, just thank you so much for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, we're talking Orioles and Red Sox as the O's take the series two out of three from Boston. And for the Orioles, pretty fun stuff to watch, not going to lie, as they end up with their third series win of the season and again get to 8-14 and 14 on the year. How it went, it was started with a 3-1 loss on Friday night, but the O's come back. They walk it off with a 2-1 to one victory on Saturday night in 10 innings, winning it on the walk-off, and, uh, you know, they've walked off in some interesting ways. It was on a bunt and an error off the bat of Robinson Chirinos on Saturday night. And then Sunday they come out despite a two-hour rain delay in the middle of the game, and just the bats come alive. They beat Boston 9-5 in the finale on Sunday to take two out of three. And I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from this weekend series for the Orioles. And we got to start with what was the biggest news leading into the weekend, despite this game being the one that the Orioles lost. And that is Kyle Bradish looked pretty good in his major league debut. Kyle Bradish, a consensus top 10 prospect in the Orioles system. Of course, the 25-year-old right-hander who came over from the Angels in the offseason between 2019 and 20 in the trade for Dylan Bundy. He was sent to Anaheim. And the O's got Bradish, Kyle Brenovich, Zach Peak, and Isaac Matson, the four minor league right-handers back in that deal, which so far, I think a lot of people would agree is looking like the best trade that Mike Elias has pulled off so far 
as Orioles GM. But in terms of the you know bigger time prospects that Elias has gotten back in his trades or has drafted, Bradish is really the first one to get to the big leagues. And yes, you know, obviously some of these guys like Isaac Matson in that trade, you know, he already got to the bigs. And, you know, other guys that Elias has acquired while they were in the minor leagues have gotten to the big leagues. But nobody quite to the pedigree of Kyle Bradish yet. And that changed on Friday night. And yes, he wasn't incredibly dominant. And yes, he didn't shut out the Red Sox or anything like that. But pretty good for a first major league start, especially against a lineup that's pretty good in Boston, especially at the top. So first, Bradish's final line on Friday night in his first career start. Six innings, five hits, three runs, two of them earned. It was a quality start to start his career. Just two strikeouts, but only one walk. He did allow a home run. It was the two earned runs. He allowed a two-run shot by Christian Arroyo that was hit in the second inning, just left a 94-mile-per-hour fastball right down the middle, and Arroyo hit it into the bullpen for a two-run homer. Bradish threw 81 pitches. 52 of them were for strikes. Eight balls were hit hard against the right-hander in that game, and uh, he had nine whiffs on his 81 pitches on Friday night. And yes, you know, the Orioles did lose the game 3-1. to one. The offense was silent. You know, they really only rallied in the ninth inning. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle had the first Oriole home run over the new wall in left field, led off the ninth with a solo shot of Hansel Robles to make it 3-1. to one. O's got two more on in the ninth, uh, but of course... Everyone's least favorite Oriole, Chris Owings, struck out to end the game. But despite the loss, Bradish was good. And again, you would like to see, obviously, more than two strikeouts over the course of six innings. And you'd really like to see more than nine whiffs. But it's nice that at least with just the two Ks, he still did get nine swings and misses. Meaning, yeah, maybe he didn't get his whiffs when he needed them the most. But he was still throwing some pretty good stuff. And in terms of the breakdown of Kyle Bradish on Friday night... It was interesting because he's been known to have, you know, a really good fastball, but that was his worst pitch of his four that he threw in his debut. It's a four-seam fastball, a slider, a curveball, and a changeup. That's what you'll see from Kyle Bradish. And what we saw was a, kind of a varying fastball on Friday night. You know, he threw a fastball as low as 91.4 miles per hour on the gun. He also threw a fastball as high as 97.2 miles per hour on the gun. And per StatCast, he averaged 94.1 miles per hour on the fastball, which is where he sat most of the night. But because of the adrenaline rush of your Major League debut, you're going to have some 96s and some 97s, and you might also have some 91s and some 92s. But overall, you know, the fastball was generally in the zone, but it was the pitch that got hit against him. Uh, of his fastball, he threw it 56% of the time, 45 of his 81 pitches. He got just two whiffs on it. He had seven called strikes, but... 12 of his fastballs were put in play. That was by far the pitch that was put in play by Red Sox hitters the most. Also seven foul balls. It just wasn't his best pitch on the night, but that was okay because, you know, he did give up the two-run homer to Arroyo on that pitch, and he gave up the hit to Vasquez on that pitch, which ended up scoring the third run on the Trey Mancini error in right field. But the three off-speed deliveries, they were really, really good. Started with the slider, which he went with as his number two offering, course, you know, this is a way that Kyle Bradish gets put in the record books as he started his major league career with a drop third strike. He struck out the leadoff man uh, with a slider in the dirt that got by Robinson Torinos, went to the backstop, and uh, Hernandez reached base to open the game, or Trevor Story, excuse me, reached base to open the game. So that was an interesting way to start your major league career, but he got three whiffs on that slider. He threw it 20 times, which was 25% of the time. It was the second most used pitch. 
and his three whiffs on the slider were tied for the most of any pitch. He threw it right about 85 to 86 throughout the night, which is a nice little drop-off from his 94-mile-per-hour fastball. It had good movement. I like how that pitch looked. And then the other two pitches he kind of like tossed in. He threw nine curveballs on the night. He got one whiff. It sat around 81 to 82. It was a solid pitch, not his best. And then the changeup was was kind of interesting. He only threw seven changeups on the night. And it's a really interesting pitch because it averages 89. He threw it as hard as 90 miles an hour on Friday night. Remember, his fastball was 94 and dropped as low as, you know, he had a couple of 92s in there, even and one at 91.4. So the changeup, it's not about the velocity, but it's got some solid movement. And listen, he only threw it seven times and he got three whiffs. And, you know, they swung at that pitch five out of the seven times. Three of them were swings and misses, and two of those balls were put in play. That's pretty impressive to have your fourth most used pitch tie for your lead in whiffs on the night. So that would be something to watch to see if he uses the changeup more. And and something, obviously, to watch is Bradish uh, will head back to the mound on Wednesday night. Actually, be a cool storyline. He's going to face off with Dylan Bundy as the Twins come to Camden Yards this week. So the two players that were traded for each other will be the starting pitching matchup in Wednesday night's game. But something to watch will be, you know, how the fastball usage plays because Bradish is a guy with a pretty good fastball. It's his major league debut. The nerves are there. So you're usually going to see a guy rely on that fastball. You know, he throws it 56% of the time. But we'll see if now he's, you know, gotten his feet under him, thrown six solid innings in the big leagues. If he kind of doesn't go away from the fastball, but starts to mix in more of the off speeds more now that he feels a little more comfortable. But overall, really, really solid debut from Kyle Bradish and really excited to see what he does moving forward. But, you know, it was it was all about Bradish this weekend getting called up. Uh, obviously, he comes up on Friday and Mike Bauman gets sent back down to AAA in the corresponding move. You know, Bauman struggled in his last two appearances out of the pen, really struggled with command. You'd like to see him stay in the big leagues, uh, but we'll see. Maybe the O's will just get him some work at AAA Norfolk and try and, you know, get that command back for big Mike Bauman. But in terms of the other starters this weekend, you know, they kind of fed off the energy of Kyle Bradish, it seems. Spencer Watkins in the Saturday game, another good start from him. Four and two-thirds, five hits, one run, three Ks, and a walk. He had six whiffs on that brand-new slider. Watkins only had eight whiffs on the night. Six of them came on that slider, uh, that sweeping pitch that he now throws that's really working out for him. And then Jordan Lyles on Sunday, despite there seemingly being multiple base runners in every inning on Sunday, Lyles worked through six innings, allowed just one run on seven hits, struck out six, walked three, only six hard-hit balls on the day, and once again, Lyles used his slider more than any other pitch, and it really got him out of some jams on Sunday. So kudos to the starting rotation this weekend, which the three of them combined to go 16 and two-thirds innings, allowed 17 hits but just four earned runs, struck out 11, walked five. It was a 2-1-6 ERA for the Orioles' three starters this weekend. The Orioles now at home this season have a 1.78 ERA from their starting pitchers at Camden Yards. That is the best home starters ERA in all of Major League Baseball so far in the 2022 season. So yes, moving the wall back is probably helping a little bit. You know, Xander Bogarts probably lost a homer with it, although Anthony Santander also lost a grand slam on Sunday because of that wall being moved back. But it's also a lot of the change in philosophy and the way the Orioles pitch and, you know, throwing for the middle of the plate and all the different things they're doing. And it's working out for not just the bullpen, but for the starters as well. 
But hey, I don't want to, you know, just not talk about the bullpen. They were incredible this weekend as well. And I got to highlight all but one of the Orioles relievers and how well they pitched over the weekend in just a second. But first, let's tell you about betonline.net. Because once again, the odds were probably against the Orioles this weekend to win a series against the Red Sox. I know the Sox have struggled a little bit early this year, but they went to the ALCS last season. But the Orioles took it to them, winning two out of three. And if you'd like to, you know, maybe get some good odds on the Orioles this week as they take on the Minnesota Twins, head over to betonline.net for all your sports wagering needs. You can get all your odds and info, but you can also get sports scores. You can listen to podcasts like this one. You can also just get all your sports news that you need to be an informed sports better. And also at betonline.net, you can play your favorite Vegas casino games from the comfort of your couch. So it's a pretty good deal. So head over to do all of that at betonline.net where the game starts. So the Orioles take two out of three from the Boston Red Sox this weekend at Camden Yards. We're getting you the three big takeaways from the weekend. Of course, the first was that Kyle Bradish looked good and the starters looked good as a whole, but the Oriole bullpen once again was even better. They continue to be one of the best bullpens in Major League Baseball. And they had a little bit of a hitch earlier this week at Yankee Stadium, but they rebounded this weekend against the Red Sox. Now, Listen, it did not end perfectly for the Oriole bullpen because in the Sunday game, they got, you know, the six innings from Jordan Lyles. Then they had the two-hour rain delay. And when they came out of it, Travis Lakins went to the mound. And as bad as he's been this year, he threw a scoreless seventh and he threw a scoreless eighth. And I'm thinking, all right, send him back out there and he can just roll through this one with a 9-1 lead in the ninth. Well, Lakins loads the bases, allows a grand slam to J.D. Martinez in the ninth, and Brandon Hyde has to bring in Joey Crable to get the final two outs to secure that 9-5 win to win the series on Sunday. But let's take Travis Lakins, who gave up four runs in two and a third, out of the bullpen stats for the weekend. The Orioles' bullpen stats minus Travis Lakins. And remember, they threw everybody in that bullpen this weekend. Nine scoreless innings for those not named Lakins out of the pen for the O's this weekend. Nine scoreless innings allowed just three hits. Now, they only struck out five, and they walked three. It wasn't crazy strikeout numbers, but only three hits and zero runs. I will take that every single time. And, you know, even you look at a game like Saturday, where the Orioles, you know, win it with a walk-off in 10 innings, and they end up using seven pitchers. They, they were just nails. Let's, let's, let's start with Saturday, because everybody did a little bit. You know, you had guys like Crable and Tate, and CNO Perez and Felix Bautista, you know, each of them were getting, you know, nobody got more than three outs until the end. You know, a lot of those guys were getting two outs, but Brandon Hyde just kept churning through, bringing guys in and kept making the right move every single time. Brandon Hyde, who of course, we learned last week, has a new extension that will make him Orioles manager through at least 2023, just kept making the right move. And the guys came in and then they went to Jorge Lopez in the ninth inning. You know, the Orioles get the run in the eighth to tie the game one-to-one. And then they go to Jorge Lopez, who's been the closer in the ninth. And he just says, all right, no more of this two outs from every guy. This is my game. And Lopez, who had actually recorded an out on Friday night to kind of end the ninth inning and keep it at a 3 nothing game, pitched just a third of an inning scoreless, comes back out there and just rolls through two innings and ends up getting the win on Saturday night. He goes... Two innings, the only base runner he allowed was a walk. But, I mean, it was a basically an unintentional, intentional walk that he allowed with a runner on third and two outs in the 10th inning. He didn't want to face Xander Bogart, so he basically just pitched around him. 
and he walked him on four pitches, and then he got Verdugo to ground out to put up a zero despite the zombie runner in the top of the 10th inning, and then the Orioles walk it off in the bottom of the 10th. You know, they the Red Sox randomly intentionally walk Ryan McKenna as the pinch hitter to put first and second no outs. Robinson Chirinos lays the bunt down. Salamora picks it up and chucks it into left field, and Jorge Mateo scores to walk it off for a 2-1 Orioles win, but it was all made possible because of that bullpen, and especially Lopez, who threw the two scoreless innings, no hits, a strikeout, and just that one walk. And again, you know, he's throwing a lot of sinkers. They averaged 98.2 miles an hour. He was up at 99 with the sinker a couple times on Saturday night. They've got a legit guy in Jorge Lopez in this bullpen, and look out later this week here on the pod. We're going to break down even further how good Jorge Lopez has been this season. We'll have a guest to talk about that as well. But it's just really exciting to watch Lopez pitch at this point, and he helped him to that Saturday win. And, you know, yeah, Lakins wasn't great Sunday, but Joey Crable came in and got the two batters out that he needed to get out to finish that game, so good on him. He also got a couple of outs on Saturday. But how about the Friday bullpen? You know, I mentioned that Jorge Lopez got one out to finish the top of the ninth on Friday, but... Other than that, it was all Keegan Aiken once again. After Kyle Bradish pitched those solid six innings, in came Aiken, and it was two and two-thirds scoreless for Keegan Aiken. One hit, again, the no runs, two strikeouts, no walks, and you know he threw a lot of strikes again. His ERA is down to 1.26 on the year, and he got five whiffs on that four-seam fastball that he continues to throw, you know, 94 to 95, up in the zone with high spin, and after kind of one rough outing, Aiken got back to it. Two and two-thirds scoreless out of the pen. He's kind of turning into like a really good bridge guy in the bullpen who can give you two to three innings and bridge you either from a starter to the end of the game or at least from your starter to the very back end of the bullpen. And, you know, maybe it just won't work out for Keegan Aiken as a starter. And that's fine if this is what he's going to do instead. And so I'll take that every single day of the week. But again, you know, if Travis Lakins had been able to get two more outs, you know, maybe we would have been talking about 11 and a third scoreless overall from the Oriole bullpen. But he didn't do that. But still, everybody but Lakins, nine scoreless innings, that's pretty good. And hey, remember, roster cuts happen here probably late today. Orioles have to cut the roster down from 28 to 26 players. You can still carry, they said, you can carry 14 pitchers and 12 hitters throughout the month of May, which the Orioles will probably do. But if I had to guess right now, even though they're currently carrying 14 pitchers and 14 hitters, I mean, the way he's pitched, you got to think Travis Lakins is one of those roster cuts coming up today. But speaking of roster cuts, the Orioles are going to cut at least one hitter. And there's a potential that both of the roster cuts Monday are hitters, actually. And coming up next, we're going to talk about those hitters who are kind of on the wrong side of things, especially in the Oriole infield, and why Tyler Nevin coming up to the big leagues this weekend, along with Kyle Bradish, actually kind of forced that issue a little bit in determining who is going to lose their roster spot when the rosters get cut down on Monday. But before we get to that, I want to talk about Built Bar, the most delicious protein bar on the market. These things are fantastic. And if you're a longtime listener of the Locked On Orioles podcast, first of all, we thank you. And second of all, I'm sure you've heard about Built Bar time and time again. But I keep talking about it because it really is that good. I mean, legitimately, you think of a protein bar. You think, all right, this is something I'm going to take, you know, and it's going to be good for me. And I'm going to eat it. And maybe it's not going to taste great, but it'll be good for me. 
Built Bar has solved the issue of that chalky, just bad styrofoam-like protein bar taste. They literally make these bars taste like a candy bar. I'm not kidding you. I've had pretty much all their flavors. They make it taste just like a candy bar. All these bars covered in 100% real chocolate. They are delicious. Flavors like peanut butter brownie, my favorite. How about mint chocolate, if you like that? They've got fruity flavors. They've got savory flavors. They're just delicious. And they're good for you. 17 grams of protein, just over 200 calories. I mean, you can't beat what is in a built Bar. And it tastes so good. They're going to turn into your favorite snack. So if you want to get your hands on these fantastic snacks, head over to built.com And if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So the Orioles win two out of three from the Red Sox, get to eight and 14 on the season. Getting you my three big takeaways from the weekend. And my final big takeaway is that Tyler Nevin coming up to the big leagues this weekend, once again, starting all three games, despite him not being crazy productive, showed that there are better options in the system for the Orioles infield right now. Because we know, especially offensively, the Orioles infield has been abysmal. I'm not as much talking about first base because Ryan Mountcastle and Trey Mancini are starting to pull it together. But third, short, and second just have not been good. Kelvin Gutierrez has been a disaster. He is now four for 28 with eight strikeouts at the dish this year. Four for 28 as a 143 batting average. Chris Owings has been a nightmare. Two for 18. Two for 18. The dude's hitting 111 with 12 strikeouts. This is a 30-year-old big league veteran. He's not even close to the baseball. I mean, when he came up in the ninth inning as a pinch hitter on Friday, Orioles trailing 3-1 to one with runners on first and second and two down, even though he's facing the lefty and Matt Strom, I could not have been more sure that he was going to strike out. I mean, maybe I thought maybe he'll hit a lazy pop-up, but strikeout seemed imminent. And what does he do? He strikes out to end the game in the only Oriole loss of the weekend. I'm done watching Owings. Gutierrez has been pretty good defensively, as we know he can be, but man, has it been rough to watch. And even Rugnet Odor, who is maybe trying to force the issue a little more. He hits his first Oriole home run on Sunday, right before the rain delay, hits a solo shot to make it 4-1, to one. of course, Kind of helps the Orioles explode offensively on Sunday. O's ended up with a season-high nine runs. They had 13 hits. They scored six runs in the sixth inning. They sent, how about this? They scored three runs in the fifth, sent nine guys to the plate, then scored six runs in the sixth and sent 10 guys to the plate. In my opinion, that's batting around twice. Some people say it's only once, but you can hash that out in the comments. What is batting around, nine batters or 10 batters? Uh, Kevin Brown and Ben McDonald got that argument started on the Masson broadcast on Sunday. But, you know, Rudnett Odor kind of helped it get going with that solo homer off of Cutter Crawford right before the rain delay came. And so, yeah, you know, he had a three-hit day on Thursday, and he has a couple more hits Sunday, and he's got his batting average up to an even 200, and he hits his first Oriole home run. And he made a really, really nice defensive play late in the game Sunday as well at second base. So I think he's at least safer than Owings and Gutierrez right now, especially because he's much more of an established big league veteran, despite his recent failure at the plate over the last couple of years. But in general, none of those three options have been very good. And even, you know, the guys who are a step above them, 
the Jorge Mateos and the Ramon Arias's, both guys who have much more of a solidified spot on this roster, both guys who from the beginning of spring training, we pretty much agreed we're going to be on the opening day roster and we're not kind of a question. And Mateo, you know, is second in the league in stolen bases and he's got a couple hits on Sunday and the bat's starting to come around even better and he's making some good defensive plays. And Arias, who was great last year and got off to a slow start, but he's had terrible batted ball luck. You know, he was coming into the play this weekend. He was hitting 180, but his expected batting average was over 300, and he continued to hit the ball hard some. But even those two guys have, I think, still fallen short of expectations a little bit. But with Tyler Nevin coming up this weekend, you know, it wasn't just Kyle Bradish who was called up to the big leagues Friday. Tyler Nevin was recalled, remember, he played a handful of games last year, played in those two games in Chicago in May when the Euros had injuries to Mancini and Mountcastle, and then came up for that those last couple series against the Red Sox. And the Blue Jays last year had the big hit against the Red Sox, Camden Yards, then hit his first career homer uh, in Toronto in the last series of the year last year. He came up and, and started all three games, and the Euros needed him because, uh, well, they ended up really needing him because Trey Mancini uh, actually ended up bruising his ribs making a catch going into the wall in Friday night's game, did not play on Saturday or Sunday. Now, Brandon Hyde did say he was available to pinch hit Sunday, so hopefully we'll see Mancini back in the lineup tonight. But the Orioles needed him without Mancini, and Nevin starts all three games, and I get it. You know, he he had just one hit. He goes one for nine with a walk, two strikeouts, and a couple RBIs. But, hey, he had two hard hit balls. He played first base and third base, and he was solid defensively both spots. And his one hit was a big one. It was a two-run single in the fifth inning Sunday that gave the Orioles a 2-1 to lead and kind of sparked the offensive explosion that led to that 9-5 victory to win the series Sunday. And even though he goes one for nine, and he did strike out twice, you just watch the approach. You watch the confidence. You watch the at-bats. You watch how the ball comes off Nevin's bat. And then you watch Owings and Gutierrez and Odor do the same thing, and you realize, yeah, Odor had more hits than Nevin this weekend. And yeah, Odor, you know, is more of an established veteran. And yeah, Gutierrez plays really good defense. And yeah, Owings has been around the big leagues for a while. But you just watch Tyler Nevin versus watching those other guys, and you think, this is just so much better. Even though he only got one hit, better play discipline. He's just so much better. Listen, he was crushing the ball at AAA this year, Tyler Nevin was. Hitting 364, 979 OPS, two homers, six doubles in his 17 games at AAA Norfolk this year before getting the call up on Friday. He's been mashing the baseball, and you just see that approach, and we saw him have a good approach in those couple games we saw from him in the bigs last year, and you just think it's better, and he's working more on his third base, and he's working more on his corner outfield defense as well. We know he can play first. He made a great diving play at first base over the weekend as well in the game on Sunday. And it just shows you that there are better options than Odor and Gutierrez and Owings. And I'm not just saying guys you can go get in free agency or trade for in the organization. You know, you look down at AAA. Yeah, Ryland Bannon's hitting 240 with a 721 OPS, but he had a hot start to the season. He's still a prospect for you. Give me Ryland Bannon over Chris Owings easily. Jemai Jones. Yeah, he's been off to a slow start, but he's still a prospect for you. Give me Jemai Jones over Kelvin Gutierrez. I just want to see these guys get to the big leagues over these more veteran players that just, you just watch them hit and you just feel like there's not a hit coming. I mean, Kelvin Gutierrez did not start any of the three games this weekend. His only appearance of the weekend, he was used as a pinch hitter in the eighth inning on Sunday in a 9-1 to game. He was facing a position player, Kevin Plowecki, 
the Red Sox backup catcher was pitching that eighth inning. He threw a scoreless inning, some of it because Kelvin Gutierrez flew out against him in his only plate appearance of the weekend. Didn't start any of the three games. Brandon Hyde was asked about it before the game Sunday after the Sunday lineup came out. And once again, Gutierrez wasn't in it. And he just said everything was fine physically. And he played in the Sunday game. And with Nevin up, Nevin immediately starts all three games. Gutierrez basically just moved to a bench roll. I just, if they're going to be this bad, and listen, if Odor was hitting or if Owings was hitting or if Gutierrez was hitting, keep them up there. But if they're going to be this bad, even if Nevin or Bannon or Jones or whoever is going to be this bad too, you'd rather have any of those three guys who are all top 30 prospects for the Orioles than Gutierrez, Owings, and Odor who are journeymen who have joined your team in the last year. It's pretty simple, and I hope with the roster cut down today, that kind of adds to this. Because... Yes, Nevin was kind of added to this team. Maybe not. They weren't expecting to do it. Because remember, they did it before Mancini ran into the wall. They added him because, unfortunately, Alexander Wells had to go on the injured list Friday. And uh, we learned that he's got an elbow injury. He's going to be sidelined for 8 to 12 weeks. Unfortunate news for Wells, who was pitching well out of the Oriole bullpen. And uh, I really love watching Alexander Wells pitch. That's really unfortunate. More unfortunate injury news for an Orioles pitcher. But they call up Nevin. They end up needing him. And he better stick around. He better not be, you know, the easy, oh, we option him back to AAA to cut down the roster. No. Make the harder decision. Get rid of Chris Owings. Get rid of Travis Lakins. And give me Nevin. And let me see Bannon. Let me see Jemai Jones. And, heck, let me see Kyle Stower sometime soon. There's just better options. And I think Nevin, despite only having one hit, really did show that for the Orioles this weekend. But hopefully Nevin sticks around. And hopefully, hey, he's, uh, he's back in the lineup tonight as the Orioles keep it going on this 10-game homestand as the Minnesota Twins come into town here this weekend as, you know, a Twins team that has Dylan Bundy, who we'll see on Wednesday, and has Carlos Correa, who we thought may have been an Oriole and then signed a weird three-year contract with opt-outs with the Twins this season. And tonight's game, game one of four at Camden Yards, a Monday night start at 7.05. Tyler Wells gets the start for the Orioles, the right-hander. Coming off a pretty good start against the Yankees. He's got a 5.54 ERA over 13 innings through four starts. But his last time out against New York, five innings, two runs, three hits, four Ks, and no walks. I like what I saw from Wells. Hopefully he can keep it up. Chris Paddock goes for the Twins in the Monday night game. Uh, the 26-year-old right-hander who they acquired via trade from the Padres right before the season started. He's been pretty good so far. Three starts, a 3.68 ERA, and 13 Ks through 14 and two-thirds innings. His last time out against Detroit, he was really good. Five and two-thirds innings, one run, five hits, six Ks, and a walk. That will be game one. Orioles and Twins coming up tonight at Camden Yards. And the roster cuts are coming up today as well, but as I speak here, here we're just after 7 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Good thing I rambled on for a little bit here on this podcast because the first move was made by the Orioles, and unfortunately, it was not Odor. It was not Gutierrez. It was not Owings. It was not Lakins. But Ryan McKenna has been optioned to AAA Norfolk. Do I agree with that move? No. Do I think the Orioles had... A much easier choice than a guy like Owings? Yes. Am I happy at least it wasn't Nevin being optioned? Instead, it was McKenna? Yes, as well. But I will say, as I mentioned, they can carry 14 pitchers. So with McKenna optioned, they now have 14 pitchers and 13 hitters. Probably points to the fact that Brandon Hyde will just 
maybe send another hitter down, and hopefully it's Chris Owings DFA, but we will see. I mean, Ryan McKenna's hit 263 so far this year in his 19 at-bats. I thought he swung it well. I guess he doesn't have a defined role because he's kind of the fourth outfielder, but tough to see McKenna go down, but we'll see what that other move is to get the roster to 26 on Monday. And when we return for tomorrow's episode, we will break down what that other move is. And of course, we'll recap game one between the Orioles and the Twins on Monday night. And then we'll get you set for the rest of this four-game series at Camden Yards. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.